Welcome back, hockey fans. Episode number three of the Pittsburgh Hockey Digest podcast in season number four. I'm going to open up the show with a little bit of uh, housekeeping we have to do every week. Just to give you a heads up where you can find us. You can find us on berghockey.com on the internet. Of course, that you'll find all our articles, our pictures, everything you would want is one safe place as berghockey.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're at Instagram, not Instagram. We're having a rough day today already. At PGH Hockey Digest on the podcast has its own Twitter feed. It's at PhD Podcast. Of course, there's an underscore between the D and the podcast. And of course, you can find me on Twitter. My name is Mitch. You'll find me at PhD underscore Mitch. Shall be taking you throughout the week that was in Berg Hockey. Uh, everything up to and including the PIHL Greensburg-Salem tournament. We're going to be talking the regular season upcoming. Uh, we're going to be talking about where we are in the rink this upcoming season, of course, on that. Uh, i got Matt Mamros. We're going to be talking a little bit of AAA, a little bit of OJHL, a little OHL, some NAHL, USHL. If it has an HL at the end of it, we're probably going to be talking about it today. Matt's going to stay on with me, and we're going to talk a little bit of the RMU women's team. Of course, they had a previous week's uh, matchup against Union at the island. I was in the rink for that both days. He was there along with me. And we were uh, had a couple things going on with the men's side coming up, so he wants to talk about that. Uh, I've got a very, very, very good, very informative interview on Coach's Corner today with the head coach of the Robert Morris women squad, Paul Colantino, uh, about his time whenever he was up in Mercyhurst and talked a little bit about his time in North Dakota and talked about how that program folding affected him personally. Uh, very, very in, intimate interview with Mr. Colantino. I thank him for coming on with us, and we'll uh, talk about it a little bit later. I guess we're going to start out immediately. We're going to talk the Greensburg-Salem tournament PIHL action at the Kirk Nevin Arena in Pittsburgh. Here we go. We were talking about the matchups that were heading out, and there was a big one on Monday. Thomas Jefferson and West Allegheny. One or both teams could have ended up in a championship after that game, but push comes to shove. End of the day, it was the Thomas Jefferson Jaguars leading the way. Mr. Krause's team is going to be taking on Rick Kalinowski's Ringgold Rams, the defending Class B champions on Monday at 7.15 at Greens at the at Greensburg's Kirk S. Nevin Arena in the Greensburg-Salem Tournament Championship. Um, little detail there, unfortunately, due to the fact that it also coincides with the opening night of the in-the-rink coverage for the regular season of the PIHL, we probably will not be able to be covering that in-the-rink. So good luck to both squads. We'll let you know if we that thing changes at this time. As of right now, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to get anybody there to cover it. So, unfortunately, sorry about that. Uh, I was there on Thursday night, saw some really good matchups. Uh, the big team that stood out to me on the night was Plum. And this team is a large, very good skating team. Um, they had a very solid effort. I believe it was against the uh, Hempfield Spartans. They have a lot of returners for that big, high-octane offense of Hempfield, and Plum was able to cut them down and make sure that they didn't have to um, get into the net there. Had a really good effort from Sam Pine in net for the Mustangs, so it was a fun matchup between the two teams, and I look forward to seeing those two teams in the regular season. The big thing that's coming up with those teams is that, you know, their divisions are just 
easy to well not easy divisions, but they're they're going to be at wide open divisions uh, for a chance of the uh, postseason out of Double A. So it'll be a fun matchup to see. Uh, the other matchup, of course, was Penn Trafford and South Park. Those two teams are on the rebuild after you know graduating quite a few number of players last season. Um, Penn Trafford's one to watch out for. I think this season. Um, I have them in my prediction. Of course, we put the predictions out there on Sunday, and we they're up on berghockey.com. So um, that's one of those things that I was looking at doing was you know changing it this year, having a little bit of fun with it. We asked uh, both Ed Major and Jared Todd Hunter to give us their predictions, and both of them gave us nice team, you know, a really good prediction for uh, what they wanted to see this season and. Um, called the PhD Picks PHL preseason. I'll be changing the name of that probably today. And we each were to pick the playoff teams that were going to come out of each division just for the fun of it to see how it plays out. And um, I, of course, in that double A, I have Plum. In uh, I don't think any of us picked Hemfield to be in there, but I, I picked Penn Trafford. I liked how they played. They got this. Okay, this goaltender that they have is a freshman. I hope they play him a little more often. Um, let me see what his name was. I have it loaded up on a screen here. Where is that page? PIHLHockey.com. But, yeah, Penn Trafford was playing very, very uh, strong hockey in the final game. They had a rough go at it the first couple games. But I think they picked it up along towards the end of the tournament and they had a a solid game in the final game of that Greensburg Salem tournament. I'm referring to goaltender and where's he at? Jackson Kerrigan played in that game and he played very strong against South Park. So um freshman. They have a freshman, a sophomore, a junior and a senior goaltender it looks like this upcoming season. So it'll be an interesting see to see what the Warriors do in that regards. Uh actually I believe they have two Two sophomores, no juniors, a senior, and a freshman. Um, don't exactly know what they're going to do in that situation, but it should be interesting to see what uh, they do up at Center Ice Arena with those Penn Trafford Warriors. Um, going into the regular season coming up, we are looking at a a definite uh, an interesting lineup for the opening week. Uh, we got a bunch of what we would refer to as banner raisings going on this week. The website we actually will have a weekly update of the schedule the scores the standings all that stuff on it's going to be called our PIHL weekly update it'll have the dates that the games occurred during so uh, nice little color-coded standings some fun little details about the schedule and things like that uh, upcoming on Monday of course Pine Richland's going to open up their AAA game against Seneca Valley uh, that'll be a road game for the Rams at Barrel. Well, of course, they both play at Barrel. A lot of teams play at Barrel, so it doesn't matter. Part of a doubleheader with Meadville, Quaker Valley. Um, at the Island, Armstrong and Montour will open it up, and Freeport Swickley Academy will follow them on that day. Mount Lebanon will open up with, it looks like, West Allegheny, South Fayette. And then, of course, m opening up their double-A matchups. And then they'll be followed up by North Hills and Chartiers Valley. North Hills is going to look like a, a team that both both those teams are on a rebuild this year. But I think North Allegheny, sorry, North Hills, a little less than the North than Chartiers Valley. Chartiers Valley only returning the three seniors this upcoming season. Um, moving along, another doubleheaders at Center Ice Arena 
Hampton's going to, no, sorry, that was on Tuesday. That was on Tuesday. It's a double A, double, uh, it's a single A doubleheader. Beavers at Norwin, Bishop McCourt's at Kiskey, 6 and 8 p.m. on center, on the East Rink at Center Ice Arena. You can find us all on uh, berghockey.com under our PIHL Weekly uh, page here. So it gives you all the details that you need. I'll update those standings as often as I can. Usually it's going to be on Sundays and Wednesdays. So um, those won't always look accurate until you actually, until I actually update the physical standings. But that's someplace you're going to be able to find all your information that you need to know. Uh, it's a little hard to navigate around on the website uh, for the PIHL to try to figure out what's going on in each individual classification. But once you actually get there, it's, it, it works out in the end. We're not going to do too much in the way of statistics on our site. We'll talk a little bit on the podcast about that in our entering coverage. Um, what we're looking for this week, uh, we're going to pay attention a little bit more to the teams that we didn't get to see in the, in the tournaments, uh, teams like Cathedral Prep. Uh, we're talking about teams like Mount Lebanon, Peters Township. I believe Matt Geica is back for Peters Township on PhD. So if you if that is a the case this week, then Peters Township and Mount Lebanon will be on the, Pen, the Pittsburgh Hockey Digest Facebook page. Uh, that'll be the opener for both of those teams at Princecape Arena, and then um, Upper St. Clair. We saw them in the St. Margaret tournament on Thursday against Bethel Park at Spencer Fam Family YMCA. Uh, team like Meadville, I believe I will be either at RMU or Barrel this week. I'll give you that update tomorrow, or I'm sorry, on Monday. I keep forgetting I'm recording on Sunday, but not everybody listens to it on Sunday. So um, some matchups that we're looking at this week. So it be interesting to find out how the teams stack up so far this season. Uh, QV at Moon on Thursday is one of those that we didn't get to see either team in the preseason. Um, Freeport Swickley Academy, another detail along that's not along those lines, Bishop McCourt Beaver, uh, Jared Todd Hunter will be at Center Ice Arena, and Mount Lebanon will have Ed Major. So we'll see how it plays out this week and see how, how the teams look. Um, and then, of course, Class B, some some debuts for Wilmington returning, um, Connellsville Elizabeth Forward returning this year, Avonworth Monday night, it's just the returning teams, Wilmington, Elizabeth Forward, Avonworth. They're going to be playing in... The, the opening games at home on the road, you know, Nishanik's playing at home against, uh, I'm sorry, Wilmington's playing at home against Nishanik, but both teams play at that rink, so it's another situation that falls into that. Uh, Burl's hosting Avonworth and Connellsville's at the Ross Traver Ice Garden playing Elizabeth Forward. So it'll be interesting, uh, interesting day there, and we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, we have our predictions out for the upcoming season. I, of course, referred to you that earlier, so please check those out see what we all felt about coming up on this season. And we're going to move right along, and we're going to talk about Headwaters with Matt Mamros. And we had a fun little time with him today, so here is Headwaters with Matt Mamros. All right, we are back here on the PhD Podcast. We are being joined now by Matt Mamros, our Headwaters contributor. Matt, how's everything going? I hear you had a really rough day at the island on Saturday. A really rough day, yeah. Uh, some, some, some stuff happened. We'll just we'll say that. Some stuff, happened. some stuff happened. You accidentally missed something, I think. You know, a very important question that you should have probably known, I think, is what it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, the total number of overtime wins by Army women's hockey last season. Which is, the correct answer is one. 
I went with last year's answer on three. But uh, it was actually one. Yeah, they went to five overtime games last year, and they only won one of them. But, you know, hey, it yeah, is I what it is. They, I believe they were one, three, and one. <laughs> yeah, you, you blew it, man. Congratulations. How's it feel? No, absolutely. There's, there's no excuse <laughs> for that one. <laughs> All right. I, I, was, I was hearing it from the parents. They, they, were, they, were on my, they were on my case, man. I am not surprised at in the least bit that they were on your case. All right, Matt. So... What do you got for me? Uh, Go ahead. Athletic director Marty Golosi. He he was also cracking some jokes. Um, <laughs> what do you got for me? Love you, Marty. What do I got for you? Well, we got some. Uh, we got Johnstown. We got Youngstown, and we got some RMU women's hockey we can talk about today. All right. Well, let's talk the. Uh, let's go with the Tomahawks. How's what do you got from there? Well, the, uh, the Tomahawks started their home opener this weekend, and they absolutely steamrolled to a five-two victory over the. New Jersey Titans. Okay. They're, I'm sorry. They, yeah, they took three or four points from the Titans this weekend. That is correct. Tom Hawks looking looking good as, as ever. They did have um, the overtime loss six to five yesterday to the Titans, but uh, hey, they look they look just as good as they did last year so far. That's good. We don't have many kids yet coming from there heading over to the island right now, but, you know, that changes as the season goes. Uh, you, you brought a bunch over last season, so it's always interesting to see what happens in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, at the War Memorial, of course. Um, I think we'll be there later in the year with, with RMU men's and, of course, the Tomahawk. Oh, yeah, you have that big game in January, so we'll talk about that whenever we get closer to it. Uh, men, of course, open up this weekend, and the, uh, it's going to be a nice little... Uh, day on the island here. Yeah, bring in Michigan Tech this weekend, so we can we can preview that at a later time. Yeah, we'll probably be recording after that game on Sunday, so uh, it'll be a live recording at the island on Sunday evening of the PhD podcast in its completion. So if anybody wants to stick around and check, listen to that, they can uh, check that out. Um, Youngstown, of course, we docked they uh, they were one and two to start the season. They dropped the season opener in Cedar Rapids six two. Defeated Tri-City 5-2 and then lost a heartbreaker today to Madison 6-5 in overtime. Um, sorry, just 1-1 one, one and I believe 0-1 for the season for the Phantoms. Uh, that was the USHL tournament at UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex in Cranberry. Uh, the Penguins and their home opener at the Cavelli Center yesterday. Oh, was that at the Cavelli Center yesterday? I'm sorry. So they played, they, yeah, they played two at Lemieux 66, and they were both the noon games, I believe. Uh, they were two, 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 two the o'clock games. Game. I wasn't able to make it, yeah. Yeah, I was I was at work. Uh, they don't, they don't, me they don't too. Let me out of the for that one. They but wouldn't I'm, let you out of there. Me either. Uh, they, they, I'm, I'm going to try to get out of there for women's Minnesota, though. I can't, can't miss that one. Oh, I already, um, have, I already have requested for that one, so... I'm excited about being able so to check I'm that one out. I'm on vacation and six days, so. Um, <laughs> I saved mine for a reason this year. Um, well, when you're on contract to hire, you only get three, so. Yeah, I got you. All right, so we move along. Uh, we were going to talk uh, a couple. I'm going to bring up a couple different details going on. Of course, the uh, the Trenton kids uh, that are playing from the PIHL, uh, they're 11 games into their season. You have uh, That's crazy, yeah, Wyatt George, Jared Gerger, and Ryan Brown, of course. Uh, just to give you a little update on those guys. They each have eight points. George and uh, Gerger have eight points each. Uh, Wyatt has four goals, four assists. Gerger, two goals, six assists. Uh, Brown, one less game, one goal, and four assists on the season. Both are looking 
all of her looking pretty solid. Uh, not getting too much on the special teams. Of course, you don't get that too early in the league. But uh, Gerger also has a game-winning goal on his record this year so far. So that looks good for them. Um, and one big one, NAHL. Uh, of course, Burrell's Tyler Stewart uh, didn't return this season for his uh, senior year and his last trip at the uh, S-Mark Stars is now playing in the NAHL with Odessa. Through four games, has two assists for the Jackalopes. So definitely some pretty big updates right now. It's early in the season. We're still going to build upon what we've got, but right now that's good for So we're going to flip it around now. We're going to talk to Matt, and we're going to talk to him about a little bit of the women's coverage this weekend that we had. Um, Robert Morse women started the season 2-0. and oh, They faced the Union Dutch women this weekend and were able to take both games by dramatic scores. I believe the first one was 5-1 to one, the second one was 6 nothing. Um, what are your takeaways from this past weekend, Matt? Well, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, honestly, we're looking at, at NCAA leading scorers, uh, J.C. Gebhardt, number one, and number two, Lexi Templeman. And, of course, Jillian Thompson, a freshman from last year who had a little bit of the injury bug. She's leading all of the defensive scoring in the NCAA. Of course, Jay in goal and Lexi in assists and G in points among the defensemen. Yeah, I mentioned, but, uh, I mentioned that I really liked how Jillian Thompson looked in the exhibition game last week, so uh, definitely started to play really strong. Even on the defensive end, she's looking a lot stronger than she was last year for Robert Morris. Oh, absolutely. I think a level from Jay. This is just something that even watching her from the years you always knew there was more in the tank, more in the tank, and now you're just seeing all of it like come together at once, so you're seeing something pretty, pretty special here. I loaded up in my preview. We were talking about, you know, the, the the record she was possible to break this year. She needed 25 goals to to tie Brittany Howard's record. Well, she uh, she started out pretty strong this year on that. So I think I believe she's down to 20, 22 or 21, 22 that she has to remain to try to beat. 22, Brittany. yeah. yeah so it's 20. about it's about a little bit less than a, a goal per game to break the record, probably. And she is My definitely less right. than less than a, a goal a game. I believe they play 32 games this season, so she is definitely on pace right now. Um, well, we knew that going into this, you know, come whenever she first came in as a first year, that she was uh, had a possibility of doing it. And you know, playing two seasons with Brittany didn't exactly hurt either. So no, not at all. Those two gelled incredibly well together. And with Amber Rennie, who's now graduated. Uh, let, let's talk about those former line mates of, of uh, you know, the, the, we're talking about the former line mates. Now we're going to talk about the current line mate. With, uh, she, of course, is now getting Lexi Templeman, of course. there. But the key was who, who was going to be getting the time on that top line. And it looks like it's going to end up being, Bur not Burbage, uh, Boyle, Michaela Boyle, the transfer from Clarkson. <laughs> she looks impressive, especially in front of the net. Oh, man. Absolutely. You're looking at somebody that's tough as nails, willing to take sticks and stuff, had a had a checking penalty that was super, super questionable on the open ice, but you can just tell she's really strong on her skates. It takes a lot to knock her mm -hmm. off yeah. her game. And she had two goals in the Saturday game, both on the power play, both from in front of the net. So uh, her net front presence is absolutely insane. And I think we made the uh, – we made the note that she also, you know, you look at uh, how Amber Rennie played front of the net last year, she just takes it to a whole different level in a different way. Wow. It's something that you haven't seen from this team since they've had Brittany Howard, of course, and Kristen Richards before her. Those mm -hmm. were two dominant net front playing players, mm -hmm. but if you gave either of them space, they were doing this as well. 
Yeah, and then uh, the defense, I thought, played admirable in both games. A couple mistakes. Of course, you can accept that from a very, very, very uh, young defense. And you're looking at a very, uh, you know, a trans not transfer, a, con a converted forward in Emily Harley who's still trying to get her, the, her feet wet when it comes to playing the defensive style of the game. And I think they're playing very well. I mean, Emily Curlett's definitely given them the everything that they need on that. And I think uh, Crash, uh, Sarah Cavalier is playing admirably also, especially on those pen the power play and the penalty kill, which have made dramatic changes in schemes from, from last year to this year. Absolutely. I mean, it's a whole different philosophy on defense. You know, you lose two very good offensive defenders and Kristen Walsh and Maggie Legue. And mm -hmm. now you, now you move to this and this is, we're seeing people stepping up and filling roles. And it's really, it's like they haven't missed a beat. It's almost like they don't miss those players, which is good to see. Yeah, it's definitely a thing. And then, uh, I guess the other thing you were looking at, we were, I was talking about in my preview was the, uh, battle for the, in the crease with those net minders. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, they, have put a... up, they put up two sh two incredibly awesome games this week. And Ariel just met with the, the shutout on Saturday. And Reagan only giving up one goal on the, uh, I believe it was a five-on-three power play. It was a five-on-three because there were two, uh, I believe there were two body-checking penalties. Ill-advised, yeah, so it didn't exactly. Two, two very questionable body-checking penalties, but hey, you get them. And uh, sometimes there's only yeah, she played admirably in that game. Uh, the goal, only goal that she gave up was a, uh, a just it just leaked through the five hole and into the net. So it wasn't even that it was and a. She almost uh, got it on the, the whip around with the, on the goal. Yeah. But, uh, so not, that not too much you can do if, if there's three people in front of the net and only one of them's yours. Like, what are you gonna do about it? Yeah, the, the, the officiating was questionable the entire weekend, in my opinion, as far as I was watching it. Uh, but, uh, absolutely, and I believe we had College Hockey America, Atlanta Hockey reps, so we will be seeing them again. Oh, no, sure. we, we definitely saw them. They were all local referees, and I know that they probably listen to the podcast. I know I've spoken with several of them, so I'm definitely going to be getting some looks in the next couple of weeks when I'm in the rink. Um, but it was definitely some a lot of uh, questionable officiating this weekend, but you can't always be perfect with the officiating. So No, you, you, you can't. Um. It would be pretty cool to see Kirsten Wells rep a game at the island, but I don't you know, think I she'd be allowed to. I don't think she's actually. I don't. I don't think so either. But uh, some of the people that she has, are she well, first of all, league. first of all, she has to go through the lines to do that over the next couple. She has. It's probably going to be years before she'd be even allowed to do it. And I think that the oh, limit, the, the, the limitations, the limitations that have to be involved in that are going to be. You know, excruciating. Maybe she doesn't. She can't be involved with any of the you know the players that are involved in the team in the teams right now. And I, I don't know exactly know the rules and regulations how it works, but uh, I think that would probably be where it's at. But anyway, um, the women off this week, but <laughs> they don't yeah, exactly. Women off this week. Men men open up this week. Uh, do we? We want we want to do an ad lib preview of the men. Are you saving that for well, Gary? Well, let, let's. I'm going to save that for Gary, but we're not going to do that this week. I'll have something. He'll have something up this week, and we'll talk about them because usually we do those with the uh, with having an exhibition, which they don't have until mid season. So no, uh, they got that mid season exhibition at game Johnstown. That we we uh, yeah. teased the trailer earlier in the the segment, but uh, let's let's backtrack a little bit and talk the Ontario Hockey League. Let's let's go up to Erie here, where okay. Erie is now played. Three more games. Mm -hmm. We uh we didn't forget you, Erie. 
Oh, yeah. I, I forgot him. That was my fault. I jumped a little too quick into oh, the Army you can't, you can't sleep on the otters, I can't. I, I, I hear about it. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, um, so they, they drop a tough one of their arch rivals on Friday, the London Knights, the, uh, the dreaded London Knights. Um, mm-hmm. You think they get worse after every year? No, they just—that's a team that doesn't rebuild. They reload like constantly. Um, but they—they they lost six to two on Friday night, and then they just absolutely blew away the Windsor Spitfire in two games this uh, this week. They had the two-one victory with uh, Aiden Campbell picking up his first win. Or yeah, I believe that. No, he won that yeah, big. That they won that big six-two victory. They won the Hamilton game. The Hamilton yeah. game, yeah. So he's. You think he's got a yeah, second that, one? Yeah, that high-scoring slugfest of a game. Yeah. Yeah. And um, dominating Windsor yesterday, six to three, with uh, Austin Swankler netting his first goal on the Ontario boy. League. Austin yeah, Swankler. Yeah, that was the last goal of the game too. That was the the final goal of the game mm-hmm. um, oh. for Erie beating Windsor six to two. So um, they beat Windsor. I'm sorry, they lost to Windsor 2-1, mm-hmm. lost to London 6-2, and then Windsor 6-3 on Saturday to sit 3-2 on the year so far. Uh, coming up uh, next next week, um, next weekend they got the Saginaw in Erie, and they got mm-hmm. uh, the Kitchener Rangers. All right. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Kingston. K- KGN is Kingston. I, I can't spell today. So. <laughs> can't spell or speak today. So. It's all right. You, you told me you're out of power, so you're starting to get a little dark, I guess, there. So you got yeah, a little bit of work uh, today. Yeah, I'm on my porch right now. It's uh, got, the, got what remains of the sun. All right. All right. Anything else for me, Matt, before we say goodbye? No, that's, that's, uh, that's everything. And I will, unfortunately, I will be missed on the island this weekend. My cousin's wedding is on Saturday, so I will miss the men's home open or something I, I didn't want to miss. But, uh, We'll have to we'll have to see who's in that. We'll have to see who looks good. And I believe our, our my keys to watch this weekend are the evolution of the defensive core, especially with how many young guns they had back there last year. We'll see how mm-hmm. they have grown over the off season. And we have uh, we have a, who knows who's going to be out there. There's three goalies that could be in that on opening night. There's three goalies that could be in that the next day. You have no idea what's going to happen there either. So absolutely, we will absolutely. see what happens. All right. Thank you again, Matt. We'll talk to you later. Enjoy the remainder of your time. Once again, that was Matt Mamros, and this is the PhD Podcast. We will be right back. That, of course, was Matt Mamros, one of uh, our contributors on Headwaters. He keeps an eye on everything that's going on outside of the Pittsburgh region where players have come from the city. They go to play other places for opportunities that they may not be able to receive here due to our a bit, you know, you have different levels of competition everywhere else, and everybody's a little bit different about how they want to play. So we're talking about that. So, all right, moving along, we're going to talk a little bit about the AAA. The S-Mark Stars were off this past weekend. The Pittsburgh Vengeance split with the Toledo Cherokee. Uh, they won 4-1 on Friday and dropped Saturday's contest 4-3. to The Penguins Elite played in a USHL Fall Classic Youth Tournament. I, I don't have any updates from that. I didn't seem to find anything, so... Don't know how they were able to react this past weekend. Uh, we'll get some details for you next week, I hope, in a thing. Uh, of course, we just referred to the Robert Morris women defeating Union this weekend. Uh, they're looking strong. Uh, so, with that being said, we're going to move right into Coach's Corner. It's going to be a shorter show this week. Background information about our guest. His name is Paul Colantino. He played a little college hockey with 
Mercyhurst for four seasons when they were Division Two, then made their way up to Division One when they became a university. The Robert Morris Colonial head coach played under Rick Godkin for the men's squad, and Mike Sisti was the assistant for the Mercyhurst Lakers at the time. Then whenever they created their women's program in 99-2000, she, they uh, promoted Sisti to the head coach of that squad, and he's been there ever since. Both him and Godkin have been the coaches at Mercyhurst for the entire like, time that they have had a program for either of them up there. So uh, some coaching tree that he's a part of. He spent four years in North Dakota and made his way back to, to Mercyhurst before coming into the Robert Morris fold in 2011. So without further ado, here is Coach's Corner with Paul Colantino. All right, we're back at Coach's Corner here on the PhD Podcast. I'm joined with the Robert Morris women's head coach, Paul Colantino. Paul, how are you doing today? Great, great. Thank you very much for having me. We're recording right before the Robert Morris game here at the island. Um, Paul, Coach's Corner, we discussed a couple things, you know, about where you came from, how you got to, to be at the program, where you're at, and, you know, maybe a little couple things outside the rink. So it's a little more laid back than we normally would be on an interview. So um, so I went a little bit uh, klepto. I started going over some of your uh, researching your history at this point in uh, Mercyhurst for four years yep. um, under Rick Gotkin. Yeah. How was that to, to – uh, work under him in the late 90s uh well it was uh you know as a player you uh you know you come out of playing junior hockey and for me um you know I grew up in the Burlington Hamilton area mm -hmm. of southern Ontario so you play some junior hockey there and then uh, my final year I went out to Iowa and played with Sioux City in the USHL and then um that summer I kind of you know back then it was different the recruiting process you end up at at Mercyhurst and um you know you you join that team and program and um, when you're that young, you know, that far back, you, you don't really, you know, your, your coach is, you know, your coach and this and that. And then I think as with anything, you grow older, you grow a little wiser, and then you get some distance between, you know, whether it was time playing or time working with people. And you start to appreciate the different things, you know, that, you know, that maybe you learned or uh, not so much at that time, but after the fact. So uh, Rick's been around the game for uh, a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's been with that program uh, really since the start. So, you know, at, at times, you you know, the one thing, I, I mean, if I say anything, the one thing you really, you know, you know from, from Rick and, um, and his coaching is that he is a very kind of uh, well-rounded individual in the sense that, um He's got his hockey side, and then he's got his human side. And uh, he does a, just a phenomenal job with his players of, of balancing both. And the players know that, and they respect that, and um, he gets a lot out of them. Okay. So your four years at, uh, at Mercyhurst, one of the assistant coaches, Mike Sisti, of course now mm -hmm. the women's head coach there, um, after your senior year, you took on a graduate assistant's position with that. How did that come about? Uh, well, at the time, uh, Mercyhurst – one, they didn't have a women's program, so uh, it was before the program started. Uh, I want to say it would have been my junior year that in the spring of my junior year, they announced that they're going to be adding women's hockey, and um, it ended up being the men's assistant coach, which was Mike mm -hmm. Sisti, uh, who gets offered the position to start 
the program on the women's side. So that spring, uh, Mike Sisti starts the program, and uh, that fall I finish up my senior year, uh, play my senior year, and, and finish it. So the program's been going for about a year. And the following spring, um, you know, just uh, obviously Mike being a, a former coach of mine, uh, we're talking, and he says, hey, how would you like to get into coaching? And, um, you know, one thing led to another. And, you know, before I knew it, um, I was coaching. And uh, it gave me, I, I know at the time, looking back, um, you know, I, I had applied to a number of places to, to do my master's, and that was kind of very important to me. And Mercyhurst did have a, a great master's program that I was interested in, mm -hmm. and it, it just worked out uh, very, very well, and, you know, got to be a part of that program kind of early on and you know and, and help uh you know do what i could at that point in my life to you know help grow the program because it was so young but uh yeah that's kind of how that got started so you left uh you left mercyhurst after your your graduate time there and you go to north dakota now i'm just i'm not going to go too much in north dakota i'm just really just want to ask you know this with the recent events with north dakota and everything how did it affect you with actually spending four years there as an assistant coach uh, you know, it was it's tough because um, you know when when you become pretty invested in the women's game and growing the sport as a whole, you just hate to see um, you hate to lose a program, uh, even if you were involved with it uh, or you weren't. Uh, so I know you have a, a little bit of a personal attachment because obviously you know I think uh, I mean historically speaking I was originally the the first and only assistant coach when they started mm. the program um, because you had a head coach and then they hired on one full-time assistant and um, you know those those first few years for me as an assistant coach were uh, I mean were such a learning process it was huge because you know as when you have less bodies mm -hmm. you do more of everything mm -hmm. and those first few years um I put on a lot of miles recruiting-wise uh, between recruiting, then getting back to the team with games, finding players. You're, you know, it was just nonstop. And, um, yeah, over those first few years, you, you just learn a ton. So I guess to answer your question and just to build a little bit of history on, on your question, mm -hmm. it kind of, you know, it kind of stabs you a little bit, you know, because um, you know what that part of your life was like and, and what you kind of your blood and sweat put into it. And, you know, not only me, but there's countless players that were a part of it as well that did the same thing, you know, growing a program from scratch, you know, mm -hmm. building a history, building a tradition. And then it kind of guts everybody at the same time where it's just like, uh, you know, and then, you know, you have a bunch of questions after the fact, you know, like, what was it for? And, you know, man, how could they do that? And, and all those things. But, uh, you know, it's it's tough. It's, you know, you know that there's more powers that be in terms of um, why the decision was, was made and, you know, and what route they wanted to go. But, yeah, it hurts. So around 2006, you ended up back at Mercyhurst as the associate head coach. Um, did Sisti give you a call on that, or is that something you were just looking around and it was an availability? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, I think like everybody knows the hockey community is pretty small. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, you're, you know, you're a certain type of people. Uh, within it and you know we always you know talk and you know you've had good relationships with people and a different opportunity came up and I had had four years in at North Dakota and um, it was a, a great chance we felt to um, you know 
to build a, an NCAA contender. And um, it, that became pretty appealing for me. And, uh, you know, like I said, with the first time, one thing led to another. And next thing you know, I was back in Erie, and um, we were making a run of it. So you get to see the Robert Morris program in its infancy from the opposite bench. Yeah. So a couple years after that, th that opening became available. What, what led you to the island, I guess, is my question here. Uh, you know, I, I guess um, if you kind of do the math, um, you know, it's, it's two years as a graduate assistant, four years at North Dakota, mm -hmm. and then what ends up being five more years back at Mercyhurst. You know, so as an assistant coach slash associate, um, you know, I'm right around 11 years, mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe give or take. And I was never one personally to just want to jump into a head coach job that was like, hey, I've coached for two, three years. Let's be a head coach. Um, you just, you, you want to do it right. You want to make sure you're ready. And, uh, you know, so I think by the time, you know, year eight hits, year nine hits, you're like, okay, I really want to look, you know, uh, at being a head coach. But mm -hmm. by that point, you're also very familiar with pretty much every program out there. <laughs> and if you've done your job as a coach, you're going to go somewhere that you feel that you fit well with. Mm -hmm. And when the Robert Morris job came up, I knew kind of instantly that this was a program that I knew I'd feel comfortable with. I liked the surroundings. Uh, I liked the university and what they were doing, how important hockey was to them. For me, it was just uh, a great fit, and I couldn't help but, you know, put in for, for the opportunity because I really felt that if, you know, if I could, you know, get in there and, and help grow this program, mm -hmm. that I think we could do real good things with it because it Again, it just, a lot of things matched up for me personally. And um, sometimes that's when you're most successful. Nine years, nine years talking multiple CHA tournaments. You're talking the two, the last course, last four, the last three finals. And two CHA championships and NCAA appearances. Out of all of it, what is your personal favorite of all of that? Like, what do you, what drives you at this point for this program? Uh it's fun, you know. You you're very, you know, you're very happy with the past. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we love the championships, and uh, you love the players getting being able being able to experience those championships, mm -hmm. and just kind of you know the look on their faces, the emotion, all those. Mm -hmm. Those are, I guess, in all honesty, what drive you. Um, you know, as a as a coach, I, I love winning. Uh, I love the thrill of competing. Uh, I love the opportunity to do something, you know, great. Mm -hmm. Just being in that spot, an opportunity, you're like, yes. And then it becomes down to competing and getting the job done. So um, for me, what drives me is, is sometimes the next one. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, we did this last season or this. Now, all right, what's in, what's in front of us? How mm -hmm. can we, you know... How can we reach our goals there? How can we overachieve there? How can, you know, how can we raise the bar, you know, within the program to get to the next level? Uh, those, I guess, for me is, is kind of what drives it. I, I can't pick one particular moment that's like, hey, this was, you know, 
the all time because they were all so different, you know, um, from the league championships to the, you know, to the playoff championships to the NCAA experiences. They're just they're different moments and they're all special in their own way. Well, thank you for coming on, Paul. And I, I always say, you know, the story's still being written as we continue to go and move along. So I thank you for coming on with us on the PhD podcast on Coach's Corner. I appreciate it, Paul. Absolutely. Good luck today. And uh, I'm Brian Mitchell, we will be back on the PhD podcast. Always soft-spoken, Paul Colantino, even if even in a post-game after a bad defeat or, you know, I, I don't think I've ever heard him raise his voice very high uh, maybe I mean I don't get to be in the locker room, so it could happen there. But always a soft-spoken man, and um, I appreciate him coming on. Paul, thanks again. And we're gonna move along, and we're gonna talk about the PhD podcast poll for the upcoming week. Uh, last week we did ask you, what division do you believe is going to create to to produce the Penguins Cup champions? And, of course, in Class A, not anything else. And I think this week you guys spoke out of 68 votes. 60% of you thought it was going to come out of the Southwest. That is, of course, Chartiers Valley, North Hills, South Park, and TJ. That's a strong division of any to have bring the championship home. Um, I was surprised by the response out of the Southeast. Uh, I thought for sure you had an opportunity with Bishop McCourt there. Um Kiski playing well in the Northeast. You, of course, in the Northwest, still in a rebuild of very young teams up in the Northwest, and I can see that happening. So, yeah, that, that's not a bad beat detail. So, all right, so let's see what I want to do with the upcoming PhD podcast poll. The poll this week is going to be asking you which of the following four goaltenders in the AAA classification of the PIHL are going to have the best goals against average at the end of the season. Your options are Junior Danny Stoffer of Pine Richland, Brad Weaver of Mount Lebanon, Connor Strobel of Butler, and the final one comes from Cannon McMillan, Mario Iafrade. You can find it on Twitter at PhD underscore podcast. I'll have it up on Tuesday. It'll be available until Friday of this week. Thanks, everybody, for following the podcast, following me, following us all year long. Um, before we go, I'm going to have our update with the ACHA coming from Mr. Ed Major. So here we go with your ACHA hockey update. Welcome to another Major Focus ACHA recap. What a weekend we had in Pittsburgh, despite a lot of the local teams playing out of town this weekend. The in-town matchups we had real quick down at the ACHA Division II level, the Pittsburgh Panthers Division II ACHA club played home matchups on Friday night and Saturday night against the Dayton Flyers. They came away with the 7-5 to victory on Friday night. A noticeable part of that game was the 0-5 for five power play percentage for the Panthers. They didn't do much on Saturday night to improve that, but on Saturday they did come away with an exciting overtime victory as they came from behind a 2-0 deficit at the end of the first period to tie the game at 2 at the end of the second. 
Each team traded two goals apiece in the third as it went into overtime, tied at four. And Brennan Williams um, just flew up the right wing and just slotted the puck right in behind the netminder. And he gave the Panthers an overtime victory that allowed them to improve to a record of two and two. Jumping back up to the ACHA Division I level, we'll start with the IUP Hawks. They travel down to La Haye Ice Center to take on the Liberty Flames and suffered about the same fate that the Duquesne Dukes suffered last weekend. IUP fell on Thursday by a score of 10-2, to and they were blanked on Friday and as they fell 6 to nothing. Robert Morris traveled to face number 21-ranked Alabama, and they took the first game on Friday night 3-2. They did fall on Saturday by a score of 4-3, but that was a shootout loss for them, so they salvaged a point there and got 3-4 out of four for the weekend down at Pelham Ice Center. The Pitt Panthers Division I squad traveled right up to Kent State. Uh, Kent State is ranked number 26 in the ASHA, technically receiving some votes in that first ranking of the season. The Pitt Panthers took both games pretty decisively. Friday night, they took the 4-2 victory. Saturday night, they took the 5-2 victory. Slippery Rock split with Oswego. They traveled up to New York and they fell 6-4 to Friday night before taking the 7-2 to victory on Saturday. The little preview of next weekend's action for the ACHA, the Pitt Panthers Division I squad will travel down to play the Naval Academy on Friday and Saturday. The Division II squad will also travel to the state of Maryland. They will take on the University of Maryland both Friday and Saturday. The Duquesne Dukes will open up CHMA play by traveling out to SNT Bank Arena to play IUP. The Robert Morris Colonials will host the West Virginia Mountaineers on Friday. at That's an 8.30 puck drop. Um, by the way, the Duquesne IUP puck drop, that will be 8.05 p.m. at SNT Bank Arena. West Virginia traveling to Robert Morris, uh, that will be an 8.30 puck drop at the RMU Island Sports Center. Slippery Rock will host Westchester on Friday and Saturday. Those are both at UPMC 66. That's a 10-10 and 9.45 p.m. matchup. Robert Morris will host Niagara on Saturday. That's a 1:15 matchup. And on Sunday, Duquesne will host Westchester at 11.30 a.m. at Alpha Ice Complex. That'll do it for your future ACHA matchups. So always remember to look for me in the rink. I and you can find me on Twitter at EdMajorPhoto. That will be your major focus ACHA recap. I will see you next week with all of this action. Back to you, Mitch. Thanks again to Ed Major for doing the ACHA recaps for us. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about the ACHA and the levels of hockey that you don't get to see as often as you do. I'll actually close the show with a uh, with an interview with Jeff Morrow that I did at the St. Margaret Fall Festival, not Fall Festival, Fall Faceoff, and he's going to talk about things that are going on outside of it, but also talking about ACHA hockey. And 
it's important to remember that these players are still playing at the collegiate level. I mean, it may not be the glitz and the glam and the, and the uh, levels that you get at the NCAA level when you're getting scholarships and the top-tier players that are coming in from juniors and things like that. These are kids coming out of high school, and maybe they know, they, they get it, they, they, they understand they don't, they're not going to make an you know, a ECHL, SPL, SPHL, AHL, NHL roster at any given time but they want to play the collegiate game. So one of my pet peeves of seeing on Twitter is how people just react, oh, well, it's not real college hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, it's real college hockey because these players are attending college and they are playing hockey for a team that is given the colors and the names proper for the school. I mean, it's club, it's collegiate hockey at the ACHA level and they're trying to get away from that club moniker so yeah there are three different levels to the ACHA there's the division one division two and division three it's just a different level of competition that you feel like you could play in maybe a kid didn't want to go play juniors far away from home maybe he wanted to play local maybe he didn't feel like he you know but he wanted to play collegiate hockey so he's doing so here in the area there are several teams and of course Ed goes over them every week so that's something just to remember going forward is that we're going to include that because of the sheer fact that it is still hockey. It is still Western Pennsylvania hockey. Um, we haven't gotten into Chatham yet. That's still Division Three NCAA hockey. Still part of Berg hockey. So we're going to talk about it. And it's just how it's going to be, folks. I love it to death. It's still pucks floating around the ice. And my opinion is some of it, <laughs> the better ACHA games that I've seen in, my, in person, beat some of the, the more terrible NCAA games that I've seen out there. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, once again, I'm going to bring in this interview. It's with Jeff Morrow. He uh, he runs the tournaments during the summertime, like a lot of the PA, not PAHL, but a lot of that stuff uh, to where the, uh, you know, the Scholastic Tournament around Christmas, tournaments in Jamestown, Notre Dame, things like that he gets involved with so the high school teams can play in outside tournaments other than PIHL. So, without further ado, I'm going to bring in Jeff Morrow. It's a very interesting interview, and there's a lot of stuff we would like to talk about after we get back from the interview. Here we go. All right, we're here at the Alpha Ice Complex with Jeff Morrow. He runs a lot of the tournaments from PAHL. Jeff, how's things going with that? Uh, yeah, the PA hockey tournaments are coming up. Uh, we, we have three of them. Uh, the first one is in Jamestown, New York on December 6th through the 8th. And you're going to see a lot of teams from the Eastern Seaboard, Philadelphia. Uh, Baird Rustin is going to be up there. Um, you're also going to see some Ohio teams. Our, our two-time champion, Ontario Hockey Academy, Culver Academy out of Indiana. A couple of Illinois teams and a couple of teams from right here in Western Pennsylvania, including Bethel Park. It's out on the ice right now. Uh, the second tournament is here in Pittsburgh. Um, the PA Hockey Scholastic Showcase now in its 24th year. And you're going to see a lot of local teams in that one. Uh, we have a very strong JV division with eight teams in that. We'll have 12 varsity. Um, and North Allegheny, the defending champs, are back to, for that. And then the, the last tournament we have is at the, the University of Notre Dame, and that'll be uh, January 30th through February 1st. And that's at the uh, Compton Ice Arena. And we have some of the best teams in Chicago. Uh, Western Pennsylvania, North Allegheny is going to be out there. Uh, Ohio, uh, DeMatha from Maryland's coming in, and we have uh, two teams from Minnesota, Edina 
and Lozada that were up at the Nationals last year. So the, the tournament schedule is pretty much filled in now. Uh, we're, look, we're finalizing the last couple teams here. Uh, we're hoping to get Latrobe into the PA Hockey's Classic Showcase that they won two years ago. I just spoke with their folks tonight, and they're very interested in coming back. So uh, real full slate in December and January, and uh, we're looking forward to the start of the high school season here. It's good to see those high school teams want to branch out and be able to do as the associations, be able to be able to play in these tournaments, see how they fare against uh, maybe some big, bigger, better competition from outside the state, maybe see how they level off with that. Well, I'll and tell you what, I had a chance to visit with Jim McVeigh last year. They played New Trier Green that won the Notre Dame Hoosier Cup, and they, they took it on the chin, but it helped them in their plight to get to the Penguin Cup last year. Um, as you know, they'd lost a, a heartbreaking double overtime to North Allegheny, but it helped them. It helped them along the way. North Allegheny went to Notre Dame last year and lost all three games, and then they ended up in the state final. So, you know, the, the, you have to see what the goals of the coaches are to try to get um, extra play in to, to help them in league competition and ultimately try to win a state championship. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, we're talking about state championships and stuff. You have a very interesting uh, project you're working on right now. You want to let everybody know about it. Yeah, and, and uh, I just I could share with you, Brian, that uh, we, uh, I had an email from the publisher yesterday, and they've given preliminary approval on a 50-year a, a project uh, that's going to outline the history of the state champions uh, from 1975 all the way up to today. A little sidelight on the book. We're going to talk about the development, the beginnings of high school hockey in western Pennsylvania and eastern Pennsylvania as well, um, the Flyers Cup, the Penguins Cup, and the state final. And, and a couple real neat little pieces of the book are going to be, we're going to have the top 10 coaches of all time and statewide. We're going to have the top 10 teams to ever win a state championship. And we're going to attempt to, to outline the top 100 players in state history. So it's 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 a multiple. I've been working on this project for uh, a better part of three years. Uh, we're hoping to launch it for the 2021 state finals, which will be the 45th year. Um, and the other thing that, that we're attempting to do, we're going to have a website that's going to show all this. It's going to show all the history and also have some footage of, of games dating back to 75 and in the 80s and 90s. We're, we're, we're um, in the process of converting VHS tapes to YouTube, and that's going to be available for people like yourself and everybody in the hockey community to watch. So it's going to be a really neat project. Um, I'm really looking forward to it and sharing. And as we get closer to it, we're hoping to yeah. get with you and and do, do some things with that as we've well. We've had some discussions about that in the past, and that's the one thing that we've, we've actually grown from is the fact that there's not a lot of coverage, not a lot of like the shared history that you get maybe from things being school-sponsored because you don't have all that support, so it's hard to get those his, that history and all that available. So that any work like that's going to be amazing for the sport in the area. So Yeah, we're, and, and, you know, I, I want to do a shout-out to you guys because I'll tell you, you guys – in the short time that you've been doing high school hockey, amateur hockey, um, as well as the collegiate side, you guys have done a bang-up job here, and, and uh, you can't be thanked enough. I think uh, you don't hear it enough. Uh, a lot of people appreciate it, and having done what you've done, 
in, in past years. Um, it's it's a much needed service that you provide, and I, thank you very much, well, you and Alan and the gang at, at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. Appreciate it, thank you, Jeff. And like like you said, it's going to be huge for us to be able to help you out with that, or do whatever we can to assist you in what you need for that project, because it's going to be something that we'll uh, be working on for a while. Yeah, so. and, and if we get a chance to, I'll, 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 I'm going to bring, uh, I'll show you. I have all the outlines uh, done, and I'll, I'll be bringing that here over the next couple of days, so you and I will share some time with that. Um, how about the college hockey? How's that? that, that <laughs> well, that's a little more. Oh, you mean which uh, at the ACHA level? ACHA, right ACHA, level. ACHA level. You wanted to talk about this a little bit. I actually just talked to Conrad Waite from the uh, from Duquesne a little bit about that, and he said the the competition is going to be pretty good this year. Oh, right? I, I, I think it'll be tremendous, and and you know. After what happened in the in the uh, in the CHMA playoffs last year, you saw Robert Morris come out of nowhere and win it and go to nationals. And frankly, uh, kudos to Mike Joseph because they represented the CHMA very well. Um, and and they only lost to Nevada, Las Vegas, four to three. They were in the game. They had a chance to win the hockey game. And you know what? Any team in the CHMA has an opportunity to go to Nationals if they win the tournament. And I think it's just absolutely tremendous. I think one of the, actually, and it's not exactly quite a full ACHA thing, but I do, there is a showdown this year between Chatham and um, Ohio. I believe it's in an exhibition game I'm going to try to get out to, but well, I, mean, the, I hear the, about. B before that, the night before, they're going to play Slippery Rock. So Oh, my yeah, Chatham, that one. Chatham's going to play Slippery Rock. And I don't have the exact dates of it. I'm, I'm sorry, Brian, I don't I, no, have that information. I actually had a conversation with Eddie Major about that matchup, and I think we were discussing, you know, getting out there and getting a little bit. We're trying to expand our horizons this year. Like, we do do a lot of high school hockey. We do a lot with the uh, NCAA level, Division One level. But the one goal for our, our company right now is to expand our coverage beyond, you know, those two levels to get more along the ACHA uh, tier uh, AAA level things like that. So you're going to see us a lot more out there, covering a lot more coverage in th those areas. Maybe I'll be out there a little more often on ACHA. Schedule's a little more favorable for me this year. Yeah, we'll see that's great. The way everything works out, so we'll we, see how we, it plays out. We look out. forward to seeing you at the games, and, and um, I, I want to give kudos to all the coaches of the CHMA, uh, including Conrad, uh, Mike Joseph, Joe Ford. Dave Grimm up over at Slippery Rock, and, and especially Stu Rolnick from Pitt. Mm -hmm. These guys work together as a group, uh, and I I'm, I'm, wouldn't be remiss without mentioning Paul McKinnon from Mercyhurst. Mm -hmm. They work as a group to promote the league, and they want to make sure that every team in that league is competitive and goes out and represents their league against national competition, which that's, that's what it's about. That's the only way that that league's going to get better. And uh, we were fortunate enough last year to see some great games in the CHMA playoffs. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to uh, – we're, we're going to be, along with the Mountaineer, West Virginia Mountaineer mm -hmm. Network, we're going to be calling one game for each of the CHMA teams this year. And we're going to do those live live uh, via webcast. That is amazing. And, you know, like I said, anything you might need, let me know because I'd We'd love to bring to you on. You could be an intermission guest. <laughs> I could see what I can do about it. A lot it. of fun. You let me know what day it works, and I try to set that up with you guys. Yep, absolutely. Um, once again, Jeff, I thank you for coming on. I appreciate all of it, all the work that you do and the work that you're in process of doing for the history of high school hockey and moving along with the collegiate level. Um, thanks again. 
Good luck on the C on the book coming up. All right, congratulations yeah, on that yeah. pre-approval. Yeah, year, and, so. and, and uh, we'll keep you keep you abreast of what's going on, and uh, let's let's plan on getting together and having more podcasts. All right, thank you. And once again, that was Jeff Morrow. I'm Brian Mitchell. We'll be back on the PhD podcast. I forgot about that little nugget that I had floating around on the. Uh, the board that I recorded at the first day of the St. Margaret tournament, and I thank Jeff for sitting down with us. And of course, you know that that history book's going to be ridiculous. Uh, you know, you don't think about the actual length of time that you're talking with high school hockey in Western Pennsylvania and the state itself. And he's doing a lot of phenomenal work. Just gets involved with it. So um, hats off to Jeff Morrow and the, all of the people that are involved with that project. We're of course trying to help him out the best we can with what we can. Uh, when that becomes available, I will let you know. All right. All right. With that uh, being said, you have the new poll question. We have all the information that we were going to put during the week out. So I would like to thank Paul Colantino for coming on, Matt Mamoros for all the wonderful work that he does for us at the Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. The interview that I had with Jeff Morrow, of course, was at the St. Margaret Tournament. I'd like to thank him for doing all the work that he does. Ed Major for all of his ACHA coverage and things that we could get involved with and make sure that we get that level of collegiate hockey involved in here. For all of you out there for listening, for all the players out there for playing and giving us a reason to do what we do, my name is Brian Mitchell. I thank you for everything that you do, and I will see you in the rink. Take care, guys.